Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless.
want to continue to come into prayer meeting 5.30 to 6.30 throughout the summer, please feel free to do so. We generally, from Memorial Day to Labor Day, we kind of uh, don't hold a corporate call to prayer meeting per se to give you an opportunity to do a prayer walk and enjoy the summer, the sunlight, and the hours of daylight. So, But if you Amen. If you have that hunger and desire to come to the house of the Lord and pray anytime, please come. Amen. And if you would be so kind as to put me on your prayer list. All right. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to call your attention this morning to the book of 1 Samuel. And if I could get those track lights turned way down, please. Tim Hollingsley. Okay. Amen. First Samuel chapter 17. We're going to read two verses. Verse 38 and 39. Says, And Saul armed David with his armor. He put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. Verse 39. And David girded his sword upon his armor. And he essayed to go. In other words, he made an effort to go. But he couldn't do it, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I can't go out with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. I'd like to speak to you this morning on this thought. Stop trying to wear another man's armor. Amen. And if you would, I would ask you to lift your heart one more time. And if Brother McCune would be so kind as to lead us in prayer, I pray that you would open your heart to the Word of the Lord here today. Amen. Brother McCune. Lord, we ask you today to anoint your word mightily to any heart and mind. To cherish your presence. Desire your touch in our life today. To strengthen those that are weak. To heal those that are sick. Speak to every heart that needs guidance, O God, we ask. We might be strengthened today to follow you and walk in your will, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. I believe that the Lord in the day that you and I live in, I believe that He is trying to strip us down to the bare faith, our trust in Him and His Word. How many of you believe that? Amen. I remember first time trying out for Little League. Any boys remember that? The tryout coaches would go down the line and back in, this was back in the day, okay? So, amen. Can you imagine attending grades 1 through 9 from 1960 through 69? What a time. But back then, the tryout coaches would go down the line. They would ask us to throw just as hard as we could. Then they would throw us a couple of baseballs, see how we could catch, and then we'd hit a couple of times. And that was about the size of it, mostly. 
The coach was standing a few yards from me and asked me to throw the ball to him. And, well, I threw the only way I knew how, and that was just as fast as I could. And uh, the, needless to say, the coach barely got his glove up in time because he was not expecting this little kid to throw a rocket almost taking off his head. <laughs> Hard to believe, but it's true. He then threw me some balls to catch, and even though I had a baseball glove that looked like it was something out of the 1800s, I still caught them all. Afterwards, after the tryouts, Coach asked me where I learned to throw and catch like that. I told him from playing burnout in the back alley with my best friend Gary, who was two years older than me. See, Gary would throw pitches and I would catch for him, sometimes taking one in the jaw. Didn't have, you know, back those days, we didn't wear a mask when we were outside. We just caught the ball and we'd see how, how fast we could throw. So I would catch, Gary would pitch, then we would trade, I would pitch, Gary would catch. We would pretend like we were Whitey Ford of the Yankees or Sandy Koufax of the Dodgers or Warren. Marischal of the Giants, and I love Marischal's high kick, and so that's who I would uh, I would mimic, and I would try to be like him and to throw like him. Then we would put a few dents in the back of our neighbor's home playing burnout. See, burnout. I don't know if you ever played burnout, but burnout was simply that you'd stand from wherever you know here to brother block or whatever and then you just unload and you'd just throw it as fast as you could and you'd try to catch it sometimes we'd miss a ball and we had our neighbor's uh, house uh, I took Kathleen there and she saw it it was still there years later but it had this old style of siding that was kind of made out of tar paper asbestos and when we would miss it it would put dents in the, in the neighbor's house hey, it was there for many many years See, the coach didn't know what I was capable of. He just saw one of the smallest kids in town that was dressed in some hand-me-downs, and he did not know I had proven my baseball skills in the back alley. I then remember getting a baseball uniform. I mean, putting that uniform on was something, and we didn't have our names on our jerseys back there. It was just handed down from one year to the next until you warm out, and then, you know, they would buy new ones. But the team supplied the uniform, but I didn't have any baseball cleats. So my best friend Gary, he gave me an old pair of his that were at least two sizes too big. And so I just stuffed toilet paper into the, into the toes, and I walked proudly to the pitcher's mound and threw fastballs. I had proven those shoes. As humans, we all share some things common. Outside, we're pretty much formed alike. We have eyes, ears, so on and so forth. Are you thankful that you have eyes and ears? Inside, we share the same things common, mostly. One heart, lungs, so on and so forth. Some things we don't pay attention to is the interaction of our body as it produces our life day by day hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second. Such things as, according to one clinical scientific estimate, I can't count this high, but 
what I read was that there are 37 sextrillion. Now, that supposedly is a real word, okay? I didn't make that up. He says there are 37 sextrillion chemical reactions happening in the human body at any given time. I have no idea what that number is. But, well, never mind. And now get that for just a moment. In that you are digesting food. Right now you are digesting food, regenerating cells, purifying toxins, catalyzing enzymes, producing hormones, and converting stored energy from fat to blood sugar. In addition, every one of us, for the most part, we have five quarts of blood that travels through 100,000 miles of arteries, veins, and capillaries, and 550 liters of pure oxygen we inhale 23,000 times a day. All of this kept going by a heart that beats an average of 150 of a hundred thousand times a day and you don't even have to keep track of it. While this is happening, we are driving a vehicle at 70 miles per hour, listening to the radio, drinking a cup of coffee, one hand on the, he on the wheel, talking on the phone, looking straight ahead, and this is happening on a lump of clay called planet Earth, spinning at a thousand miles per hour and traveling through space at 67,000 miles an hour. No wonder David writes in, 130, in Psalm 139. He said, Lord, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. He says, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth or the womb, God was weaving a tapestry of DNA inside your mom. While all this was going on, He produced, He 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 thought and and planned and designed. He says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they're more than the sand. And he perpetually thinks about you 24 hours a day. You. Then when He separated you from your mother's womb, He gave you your very own identity. No one has your eyes. At least that's what they tell me. Now I've not run a test experiment on seven billion people. But they tell me that your retina is one of a kind. How many of you believe that? Yes. Okay, not everybody. I, I don't blame it. I mean, how can that be? Seven billion, right? Seven billion different retinas. They tell me that's true. 
And they say that your handprint, your thumbprint, is different than everybody else's in the entire globe. Now, that is not possible. Right? It's what they tell me. I don't know how they figure it out, but that's what they tell me. And then if that's not enough, He gives you a DNA specifically designed by Him. You are not a copycat. There has never been one of you. There will never be another one like you. But in our story, one day Jesse tells David to take a sack of wheat, some bread, and run them. He says, David, run these down to your brothers on the battlefield. They're in a battle with the Philistines again. He says, take them down. See, give your brothers some lunch and take the cheese to the commander. Check in with them. See how they're doing. You see, at this point in young David's life, those around him apparently perceive him as a young shepherd that runs errands for dad. He's just an errand boy. We know the story progresses. We know that. David runs to the trenches to greet his brothers. They mock him. They believe he is there just hoping to get a front row seat for a battle that never starts. The reason it never starts is there is fear in the camp. God is waiting for a David to step forward and do what fear says is impossible. God God created David. He designed every day of his life just like he did. He knew exactly what you would be wearing here today. He knew what seat you would be in. He knows how many times your eyes are going to blink. And so for David, God was just waiting for David to reach that particular day. He was waiting for David to step forward and do what fear said is impossible. Ha. Let me read a couple of quotes from you. Churchill said this, In every age there must come a time when a leader must come forward to meet the need of the hour. John Maxwell writes this, he says, The choices we make in critical moments help to form us and to inform others about who we are. But, you see, there are some extenuating circumstances that help form and shape us throughout this thing called life. Genesis 1.27 tells us, O God created man in His own image, In the image of God created He Him, male and female created He them. There was no shame. There was no guilt. 
We were unashamedly created in a perfect condition and there is no shame or guilt in the presence of God. We were naked before Him. There was no armor needed. Think about that for a moment. There was no armor needed in the initial design of God. Can I remind you that there is no shame or guilt when you come into the presence of God. There is none of that that should be there. You should be able to have a communion with Him that is completely unashamedly. Then in Genesis 5-3 we find Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness and after his image. So since sin entered into the world by Adam's choice to unleash it, try right, you and I chose to let sin out of the bag. God had a lid on it. He had a lid on it. And so sin enters into the world and by Adam's choice, we in a sense lost in part our sacred image. We are now in part the person we are by our birth parents, shaped in their image. How many of you are thankful for that? No? Nobody? Yes, son? While deep within us there is the eternal soul that longs for the image of God that created us. Our parents begin immediately to affect who we are by teaching us and how they want us to grow and develop. Right? Now, son, when you grow up, you need to be just like me. No? Maybe. Depends on where you're at. Now, if this little fella is a complete distraction, that's not going to work. So, Dad, if you would be so kind as to... I appreciate you, young man, but if people are looking at you and you're being a little bit of a distraction, that's just not going to work. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Dad. Praise God. So, our parents begin to develop us. They begin to mold us and to shape us after their likeness, after their image. We begin to put on some of that armor of Dad and some of that armor of Mom. Then the public school teacher comes along offering us an alternative perception of the world which may differ from our parents' view. Then along life's journey, we choose men and women we think are successful in the area that we want to be like. So we dress like them. We wear their jerseys and we buy their shoes. 
This is sometimes called provisional personality, which is the acquired behavior, attitude, and reflexive strategy through which we learn to manage the world the best we can. We find ourselves wearing another man's armor and it just don't feel right. And we find ourselves on the battlefield of life facing a Goliath. And it don't matter if you are King Saul or one of the eldest sons of Jesse. When a critical situation comes up, we find ourselves asking, I have done the expected things according to my best understanding of myself and the world, all the teachers, all the parental instruction. So why does my life not feel right when I hear and see Goliath and listen to his booming voice? The king is afraid. My brothers are afraid. The entire army is at a standstill and we find ourselves powerless in the face of our environment. Wow. And the enemy shouts, give me a man. And Saul and his army were terrified, one version says, they were terrified and had lost hope. Now I'm not certain if David knew at this time as to Saul being rejected by God. You see, if God is not in it, you don't want to wear it on the battlefield. You don't want to wear something that has been rejected by God. And you'll find what took place in chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. The key verse in that is rejection. Samuel told Saul, he says, Saul, and I can't go through the entire story. You know it. If not, you can read it. Samuel said, Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice. For rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft, stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. And he said, listen carefully to these words. He says, Saul, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you. You do not want to wear man-made armor that has been rejected by God when you are facing a critical situation in life. It has no power. It has no protection. And so David walks into that current environment. David says this, I will go and fight this giant. David is told, you're not able to fight this giant. You're just a kid. Goliath has been a man of war from his youth. You're just wearing a shepherd's uniform. 
Listen to David's reply to his brothers, to everyone else that was in the trenches. They were dressed for battle. They were dressed in the uniform of military. But they were not able to face the hour that had came to them. I said, David, you just wearing a shepherd's uniform. You're a kid. But David says, is there not a cause? An author by the name of Simon Sinek writes in his book, The Infinite Game. Listen carefully. He says, a just cause is a specific vision of a future state that does not yet exist. A future state so appealing that people are willing to make sacrifices in order to advance toward that vision. David could see what was going to be in the afternoon when he got done, when God got through. He says, is there not a cause that would motivate you and compel you to go out and face that enemy of God that is defiling the very church? A just cause is not the same as our why. A why comes from our past. It is an origin story. It is a statement of who we are. The sum total of our values and beliefs. A just cause is about the future. It defines where we are going. It describes the world we hope to live in and will commit to help build it. See, David has faith in his God. Why? Because God has given him courage to chase down both the lion and the bear. David told him, he says, Saul, he says, I want you to know that I've not shared this information with anybody because I never had to face the enemy while you are cowering under the tree. He says, but I want you to know the God that I know, the God that I serve, the God that I wear. He says, He has delivered me out of the paws of the lion and out of the bear. He says, and that same God, I believe, will deliver me today as I go out there and I meet the hour that God has put in front of me. He says, uh, now listen carefully. The, you read the Scripture. The Bible says that David ran out and caught the bear and the lion while it had the sheep in its paws. He didn't meet the bear when it came in. He, 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 it was unexpected. But when he knew that there was a sheep missing, that the, the Bible says that David said, he says, I went out after him. 
In other words, the bear wasn't chasing David. David was chasing the bear. David was chasing the lion. And he caught him by the beard, the Bible says. And he just slew him. You imagine that? He didn't, he didn't call for reinforcements. No, sir. He ran after that bear and he said, I want you to know, Mr. Bear, Mr. Lion, that is my father's seat. And God and my father has put me in charge of watching and caring for the sheep. He says, not on my watch. And he ran out of that camp. And he caught that bear. And he saved the lamb. Saul says, here David, put on my armor. He says, put on my armor. You're, you're going you're gonna to need my armor, man. You, you can't, you know, Goliath, what? He's somewhere around nine foot. I forget what his speed. You, you you've heard it before. I mean, he's nine foot, probably weighs 500 pounds. And Goliath, just every day, he would come out at daybreak. He would say, Send me a man to fight. He says, and if I win, you and all of Israel are going to serve me. But if I lose, then we will serve you. Saul says, David, you got to put this on. You see, <laughs> didn't, didn't fit David. Didn't work. David didn't say it wasn't. He just said, hey, I've not proven this stuff. He says, I don't need, I don't need the armor of men. I don't need the armor of men to take on the enemy of God. He says, I've already proven that God is with me. He says, I don't need man-made armor to go face the enemy of God. He says, I will go out there. He says, and I will take what I have proven. And he says, I will go in the name of the Lord. I can just hear it. There... Vegas doesn't give... I mean, the odds are a million and one in Vegas. Somebody's going to get rich. It's all Goliath. This boy doesn't have a chance. I can see David. We don't know how old he is. Most think he's probably around 16, maybe something like that. He takes... Saul the king's helm. He takes that thing. He said, no, man. God's rejected that. Saul, I don't need that stuff, man. He... I can I can hear the, the metal crashing on the ground as David kicks it off and then he takes his lit his slingshot that he's learned how to be pretty good at that. He walks out and we know the story. He picks up five rocks and then he does something that is so absolutely incredibly brave. The Bible says that Saul calls him a dog. He says, you dirty dog, 
I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds. How dare they embarrass me by sending you out to meet me? David says, oh, David runs out there. He's running toward him. He says, hey, he says, I want you to know that you're coming at me with man-made armor. You're coming at me with a sword and with a spear. And you may have your shield. He says, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord my God. And my God is going to deliver your head into my hand. Why? Because this army behind me, they need to know that God is alive and that He is still fighting our battles for us. Is there not a cause? I believe the Lord today is trying to strip us down to our bare faith. I believe that. I believe that there are, there are us among us right now, and I could point all ten right here, but listen, there are some of us here today that you have been... You, there, there are those around you that they have built you into their image or tried to build you into an image that they want you to be. And then you saw somebody out there. Maybe it was Hollywood. Maybe it was from the sports arena. Whoever it was. And you said, oh yeah, if I could just look like that. Or if I could just be as fast as Him. Or if I could be just as rich as Him. And the problem being is that you're going to meet the enemy in a very critical hour in your life. And all that that people have put into you, it is simply man-made armor. And it's not going to work for you. You see, I believe God was preparing David for a bigger day and a future environment called Ziglag. David goes through a lot, but this was really, that was his defining moment, really. This was his stepping stone, if you will. This was, this was when the, the real armor of God came into his life. This is when he really understood that he was leading a battle that was not man-made, but it was against the enemy of, the, of God Himself. I believe that God was preparing David for a future environment. I believe called Ziklag, you see. In 1 Samuel 30, the Amalekites come. They burn David's home down. They take his family. They take his men's family. And the Bible says that when this happens, that the very men that David are leading, they are so distressed and so they don't know what to do. The Bible says that they run out of tears to weep. 
And they said, man, we got to put, we, we're, we're going to kill you, David, because from after we have followed you all of these years, this is where you have led us to. Our wives are gone. Our families are gone. Our homes are gone. Why? Because we have chosen to follow you. And this is what David learned. The Bible says that David could only encourage himself in the Lord. says he could find nowhere else to receive courage. The men around him were turned against him because the need at the hour was so absolutely depressing. Everything had been taken. We're told David could only... He just encouraged himself in the Lord. And then he sought the Lord concerning this. The Bible says he would he went to the, the priest. He said, Hey, he said, we need to, I need to know, I need to get an answer from God today. He says, Lord, shall I pursue them? And the answer came back, and God said, Yes. He says, You pursue them. And he says, I want you to know that you will recover absolutely everything. We know the story that they do. Oh my, I want you to listen, listen to me. The armor of men is not going to save your family. The armor of man is not going to bring you fulfillment in life. The armor of man is not going to set direction for the eternal soul that you carry with you in the image of God. It's not the man-made educators and the man-made rich people of the world. They're going to try to develop and they're going to try to mold you and to shape you and to get your minds and your hearts away from the sacredness of the image in which you were created by the Word of God. David said, Lord, he says, uh, am I, am I, is, it, is it going to be okay, Lord? And the Lord said, yes, David. He says, you pursue him. He says, I want you to know you're going to recover absolutely everything and your men are. The Bible says that they went. They found the enemy. They found where their families were being held captive in the bars, in the addiction centers, on the street corners, in the slums. They reached in and they took them back from the enemy. And the Bible says that that David recovered absolutely everything. Is there a cause today? Is there a cause? Are you willing to drop and let that armor fall to the ground this morning? Are you willing to bear your soul openly and naked before God this morning to enter into His presence and recognize and realize that He has brought you and me to an hour, to a very critical hour, and He is asking, Who will go?
as you stand with us today. You see, if Ziglag doesn't burn, David doesn't move into Hebron. And ultimately, he doesn't go into Jerusalem. Watch what happens when David brings that sacred ark, the presence of God, into Jerusalem. Notice what he does. He lets that man-made image fall right to the ground, not caring what anybody thinks. The Bible says that he begins to worship God and dance with all of His might. And He begins to flip the crown off. He begins to strip off that royal garment. He gets right down to the ephod, the Bible says. And He begins to worship God. That's what worship is. God doesn't care about what you're wearing today in particular. He, what He wants is, he, when you worship Him, He wants you to enter into a place where there is no man-made armor clinging to your shoulders and on your feet. He wants you to worship Him in spirit and in truth. The church cannot hope to wear into today's battle something that is not proven by faith. The church cannot wear into today's world something that has been rejected by the Word of God. It will not work. David didn't, I should say, David ran after the bear. He ran after the lion. And he ran after Goliath. If David was alive today, here's what he would be saying. He'd be saying, world, Satan, all those that are bound by addictions and alcohol and loss, he says, watch out, I'm coming after you. I'm going to rescue you from this. I'm going to rescue you from the paws and the jaws of the lion and the bear. Because why? Because it's not happening on my watch. The proven armor of God, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Oh, there's so much I, I didn't get an opportunity to read, but why wear man's armor when God says, Here you go, church. I'm giving you the full armor of God. Thank you. Can you put that up there, Brother Ryan? Is it possible Ephesians chapter number six, ten through eighteen? We know it, but why why trust in the armor of men? 
why why try to listen I, I listen I, I know it's important to have favor with men you understand that to have favor with men and with God but I do not want to be molded and shaped by the intelligence come on a worldly man. You understand what I'm saying? Is it? I admire. I've admired many of my workers down through the years, but I want to go back to the beginning and feel the hand of God in my life as He forms me and He shapes me after His likeness. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. How do they get along in the Christian world believing that they're... I don't know what they believe honestly, but how can, how can you get along in the Christian world without believing that the very fullness of God dwells within Jesus Christ? Amen. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He has given us all, folks. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world. This world is being ruled by the power of darkness, and they don't even recognize it. Against spiritual wickedness. In high places. I've lost track of what our dear governor is trying to implement in putting the armor of men together. I I can't even go there anymore. It's beyond insanity. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand... Take therefore having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation. Aren't you glad for that heavenly helmet that that rests upon your head. When I go outside, listen, I'm telling you, man, I I love living for God. I love people. I love life. But I love the idea of walking out in the midst of turmoil and having that helmet on my head and saying, Oh God, why me, Lord? Why are you blessing me the way that you have? And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 18. Above all, or praying always with all prayer, with supplication in the Spirit, watching, watching, not on my watch, Lord. Thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Meaning that we're in this together, folks. We're in this together. I don't know who impresses you today in today's world. I don't know if you're trying to mold and, and uh, 
you know, and reflect your life when you look in the mirror into somebody that you admire. Forget it. Forget it. You are no less valuable. You are no less a person than I don't care how much money they got. I don't care how big of a boat they got. God perpetually, His thoughts are on you 24 hours a day. Thank You, Lord, for molding and shaping David. Thank You. Thank You for molding and shaping the saints of God. Thank You for those that are here. Thank You. Thank You for allowing God to put His hand in your life. Thank You for Your faithfulness. Thank You for Your willingness to sacrifice. Is there not a cause? There is. We're going to close here this morning and give you an opportunity to come to the front. Amen. I, I, my prayer today is that I, I would pray that as we stand here today, I would pray that we would hear that clamor of man-made armor falling from each and every one of us today. And in its place, we're simply in the presence of God. Would you come today if you have a need? If you need special prayer, we will pray with you. We will anoint you. We will believe that God will do that miracle in your life today. Amen. Oh, would you come? Would you come? The whole armor of God is what I want. It's what I need. It is what is available. It is heaven's resources in order for me to stand and to fight that good fight of faith, Brother Steve. There is ever a time that we need to stand. It's today. You need to stand in such a way that those around you are going... They are in admiration of how you conduct your life in front of this world. They're looking for that leader. They're looking for that one that's not dressed up necessarily in the suit and tie. But what they see is that they see a little shepherd boy that's willing to go and take on the world. But what they don't see is what God sees inside. He says, you're looking at the stature, but I'm looking at that heart. And I'm telling you that I see a heart that is made after my image. That's what I want. Would you come today? Would you come? Would you lift your heart to the Lord? Would you seek Him today? Hallelujah. 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 We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. That's it. Come on.